We've been thinking together over the last uh, few weeks about some of the core things, core values that we have as believers and as his church here. We say that God needs to be the head of his church, the visible head. That it's easy for us to sing and to say that God is the head, but unless people see the head, then he's not really there, is he? If actually what they see is us, then God is really not in the place where he needs to be. The people should look at Trinity or look at me, look at you and see Christ, see God in us. And then last time we looked at our responsibility to one another, that we have a responsibility to equip and train one another to look like Jesus Christ. That our spiritual growth is the responsibility of all of us in the family of God. It's not just my responsibility as the shepherd, but we have a responsibility. Jesus says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He was talking to all his followers, all his disciples. And we have that responsibility to one another to help each other to grow. And if one of us is not growing, that's because we have failed one another. And so we need to take that responsibility seriously. How we can help one another to grow mature in our faith. To build disciples. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, he said. We have that responsibility together to do that. And then today we're going to look at the third of these core values that we need as believers and as a church together. And that is we need to respect and honor the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now when we think about the Holy Spirit of God, often what comes to mind are two things. One, his gifts, and secondly, his fruits. His gifts that we see outlined in the New Testament as well as in the Old But that it says that he gives in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 that we are the body together and he gives gifts as he decides to be used by him. And that's true. And we thank God for the gifts that he gives to each one of us. And as we were saying, part of those gifts, as it says in Ephesians, are for the building up of the church. We have gifts and ability given by the Holy Spirit so that we may use those gifts or more correctly, allow the Spirit of God to flow through those gifts that He's given to us to make disciples of all nations. And each one of us has a role to play in that with the gifting that He's given to us. And we think of the Holy Spirit also as the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, and all that lot. You know them all. That this part of the role of the Spirit of God is to Work within us is what we call sanctification. Part of that growing that we might become more like Jesus Christ. And we may demonstrate more and more of the character of Christ through those fruits being more and more in our lives. But I want to think today about something a little bit different. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Because the Spirit, yes it does, the gifts and the fruits... But there is so much more to the role of God's Spirit in our lives and through our lives. Now, first of all, we need to understand 
who the Spirit of God is. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is one of the three parts of the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit. But the Spirit of God, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the Ruach of God, or in the New Testament, the Numa of God, is really the force or the power of the energy of God that is flowing. So in Psalm 51, if you turn there really quickly, Psalm 51, verse 11. Now this is the psalm. Do you remember when David went a bit off the rails? Do you remember that? Slept with Bathsheba. And then Nathan the prophet came and he said, you're a bad boy. And David said, oh my goodness, I've been found out. And he wrote this psalm. And look at verse 10. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. What he's saying there is not, Lord, that you're going to remove yourself for me, from me. Somehow I'm going to become unsaved because of what I've done. I've sinned and therefore my sin is so bad that, God, you are going to turn your back on me. You're going to remove your spirit from me. You're going to remove yourself from me and I'm no longer going to be a follower of you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, do not remove the power of God, the force, the energy of God from my life. Because it's that energy of God that enables me to complete the things that God wants me to do. You remember Saul, when he sinned, God did that very thing. He said, I'm going to remove my spirit from you. In other words, I'm going to remove from Saul, because of his hardness of his heart, And his disobedience to God, he said, I'm going to remove my spirit from you. I'm going to take away the power that I am giving you to accomplish the purposes that you should have been accomplishing. Because you are being disobedient and willfully disobedient. You're no longer following me. And if you do not follow me, you will not have the spirit of God. That energy, that force of God flowing through you. And as it was with Saul and David, so it is with you and me. That is what the Holy Spirit is. Somebody put it like this. Yahweh's Ruach is the blast of God. The irresistible power by which he accomplishes his purposes. Whether they're creative or destructive. That same Holy Spirit power of God is what we're talking about when we talk about the Spirit of God in our lives. Now turn to Romans chapter 8. Because it describes here for us what that Spirit of God can do in our lives and what He does. First of all, in verses 1 to 4, it talks to us about how we receive that Spirit of God. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank goodness for that. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, this is a Ronnie Padilla moment. We have freedom. Why? Not because of what we've done, but because Christ, what he did on the cross for us, he has set us free. And so we have freedom to jump and sing and dance and be free in God's presence, not scared in his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And the Spirit is the vehicle by which that's, that 
that salvation comes in and through our lives. It carries on. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful men in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. And then he describes what it means to live by the Spirit of God. And that's what I want to look at with you today. What does it mean to have that power of God in your life? Well, let's look together. Verse 5. And here, what Paul is doing is contrasting those who do not have the Spirit with those who have the Spirit. And I'm not going to talk today about the people that don't have the Spirit of God. I want us to focus on what the Spirit of God does in our lives for those who are following Jesus Christ. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, what is it that the Spirit of God desires? Well, the Spirit of God desires the things that are precious to God. When you say to someone, what is it you want? What is it you desire? Those are the things that are in your mind, in your heart. Those are the things you want. You ask a five-year-old what they want for Christmas, they will always be able to give you a list. I've never known a five-year-old that says, I don't mind. No, 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 no. Maybe an adult says that because then they're thinking, well, I've got everything I really need and I don't really know what to say and I don't know how big your bank account is anyway. So, you know, what do I ask? But a five-year-old, they will say, oh, this is what I want for Christmas. They have that desire in their heart because it's in their minds, it's thinking, they talk to their friends about it, they have it there. And so what the Spirit desires is obviously the things that are precious to God. Now what's precious to God? Well, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that what did He do? He gave His only Son, so that through Him, whoever believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. What is on God's heart? A relationship with everybody. He wants everybody in the whole world to come to know him as Lord and Savior. That's what fills God's mind constantly. How can I reach out to our friends, our neighbors? How can I reach out to the people that don't know me? How can I reach out to those that are walking in darkness? Let me show them my light. Let me show them. That's why I paid that price of Jesus Christ. So that everybody may have that opportunity for a relationship with me. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Why? So that they may have not just a relationship, but fullness of life. John 10, 10. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. God is not interested in us just having a mediocre existence. How many of you in school were one of those kind of guys, a little bit like me probably, if I'm honest, that just wanted to pass? If you could just coast and get through, that was good enough. That was me. I was one of those guys that that wanted to balance life, right? 
I would balance schoolwork, so I didn't want to fail because that's embarrassing. But I didn't really want to pass too well because that's too much effort. So what I would do was coast my way through school so that I have a nice balanced life between passing and getting what I need to get, but also having a good time with my friends. My older brother, he was one of those guys, you know, straight A's. You know, I think he did 13 O-levels, all straight A's, four A-levels. You know, he was one of those. But he worked for it. And I looked at him two years older and I thought, what a boring existence that is. He studied. I didn't want to study like that. I had too many friends to go out and be with. Let me have a more rounded existence and a more rounded life. I hope there's no young people listening to this. I'll edit that bit out of the podcast later, right? So, but God says, I want you to have that full life. You know, that what happened to me was I had mediocre grades. I scraped through. And then I scraped through my A-levels. And it was only when I came to do studying the Bible that I actually, my grades went up because then I focused on what I really was in my desires and my heart. But apart from that, I scraped. And I didn't have that fullness of life. I wasn't really desiring what I was doing. And so I didn't put the energy and the effort into it. But God said, I have come that, not that people will just exist and travel through life. I want them to have the fullness of everything that I have in store for them. I want them to reach every single potential that I placed in them when I knit them together in their mother's womb. I saw their whole life, everything they could have done, everything they could be. I want them to reach all of that. That's what God wants for us. That's what he says when he says abundant life. You know when uh, people go and stand before God, when you hear people like Job in the Bible, he said, God, this is not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. And then God shows up. What does Job do? He silences his mouth. It's a really good idea. Why? Because I think in that moment, he would have seen what could have been. You know, I was, I was listening the other day to uh, Stephen Fry talking. He's an he's a atheist, if you know him. He's on television a lot. And he's going to say, when I get, if there is a God, I'm going to go and say to him, how do you allow all this stuff to go on in the world? And how can you really be a God? You know what God's going to do, I think? He's not going to strike him down. I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to show him everything he could have been if he would have believed and trusted. You think about, if I stand there before God, I'm sure what God's going to do is show me the potential that I had in my life. And I will look at my life now and I will look at what God had ordained for me and I will see how far short I came because of my own sin, my own selfishness, my own saying, I'm going to do it my way and I don't care about God's way. And that is where I am going to fall on my knees and realize. Because when God says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When God says, you know, he has given us the responsibility and the opportunity and the power to change our world. He's given us everything we need. We just don't use it. We don't trust it. 
We don't allow it to impact our lives because there's parts of us that we want to grab hold of. And I think when we stand before God, he will show you exactly what you could have been. And I think when I stand there, I will see this is probably the amount that I have been. And from that pillar to that pillar is the amount that God ordained in me when I was knitted together. And I realized this much of what I could have been in Christ. And what can I say? What can the Stephen Fry's of this world say? There's so much suffering in the world. Why don't you do something about it? I gave you everything you needed to do it. But you just didn't bother to go. There's wars in this world. I've given you the spirit of peace. Why didn't you guys use the spirit of peace? I've given you everything you need in this world. So that the kingdom may be realized amongst us. You're just not doing it. What are you going to say? It's unfair, God. He has given us the fullness of life. That's his desire. And when we have the Spirit of God in us, he sets our minds on the possibility of what can be. He helps us to see outside of ourselves, outside of that narrowness of what is, to what could be. And he also puts within us, in our hearts and in our minds, the great commandment, love the Lord your God, Matthew 22. With all your heart, soul, strength and mind, your neighbor as yourself. Those are the things that are on the heart of God. Those are the desires of God. And it says those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on those things. How often do you have your mind or my mind set on the salvation of those around me that do not know Jesus? Or on me reaching every single part of the potential that Christ has placed within me? Or me living a life that is so filled with love, love for God, love for myself, love for neighbor, that I just transform the people around me. That's what the Spirit of God comes to do in you and in me. But there's more. Look at verse 6. The mind of the sinful man is death, it says, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Our mind is saying it's like a battleground. We know that, don't we? How many of you worry? How many of you go to bed worrying about something and wake up and the first thought is exactly where you went to bed? Sometimes it happens, doesn't it? Our minds are a battleground. And here it says what the Spirit wants to do is to control our minds. Why? Because when our minds are controlled by the Spirit, it brings life and peace. Life is a knowledge and a relationship with God. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. We've talked about that. But also peace. Peace with God. Peace, tranquility in our hearts and in our minds. It says in Philippians 4.7. That oneness with God brings that trust in Him and therefore brings that peace into our lives. And our minds are this battleground that's going on between the spirit wanting to control it and us saying, no, 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 no. Let me control it. Let me do things my way. Thanks very much. And when we do that, the life and the potential and the peace of God 
we throw it out with the Spirit of God. And he's saying, let your mind be controlled by God's Spirit. He's there wanting to control those things in your life. So that you don't have worry because you trust Him. That you don't have these negative things coming into your mind because you know that God is in control. That actually the peace of God which passes all understanding will fill your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that his peace is just washing over you. Because that's what the Spirit has come to do. The power of God. Third thing he does. Next verse. The sinful mind is hostile to God and does not submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. So conversely to that, we, with the Spirit of God, are able to submit to the law of God. Now what is the law of God? Well, it's not a whole list of rules and regulations. The law of God is His character, His will. And so when we have the Spirit of God flowing in us and through us, we are able to submit to know what it is God wants us to do and to go and do it. One of the best ways you can tell whether... Someone has a surrendered life to Christ. Is whether they allow the Holy Spirit to flow through them is when they ask, keep asking the question, what does God want? What does God want in the life of his church? What does God want in my life? What does God want in the life of my spouse? What does God want in the life of my family? What does God want in the place where he has placed me to work? What does God want in the community in which he's placed me? That is the submission to the will of God. And we need to keep asking that question. My will needs to be done away with so that the Spirit of God, His will will come into my life. And it will constantly say, David, are you asking the right question? And the question is, what does God want? You listen to people. You listen to them. And you will be able to tell very, very quickly how much they have of the Spirit of God in their lives flowing through them. Just listen. If they're talking about what they want, or are they talking about what God wants? I want this, I want that, I don't like this, I don't like that. That's not the Spirit of God talking. God wants this, God wants that, that's when you start listening to the Spirit of God. And that's when the Spirit of God starts moving. And what God wants in your life and in mine is a constant question. What does God want? What does God want in my relationship with my wife? Lord, let me surrender to you. Do it. What does God want me as a father to my two boys? Let me surrender to you. Lord, do it. What does God want in his church here at Trinity? Lord, tell us and we'll do it. We are surrendered to you. What does God want in my workplace? Tell me, I'll do it. We need to keep asking that question over and over and over again in every area of our life. Because when you're submitted to the will of God, when you're submitted to the Spirit of God in your life, the Spirit of God will remind you and keep asking you that question. What does He want you to do? And he will tell you if you ask him. It's part of what we talked about in the headship of God. 
If he is the head, we need to listen to him. We submit ourselves to the will of God. Why do we do that? Well, look on in verse 8. It says, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. If you do not have your will, your body, who you are, controlled by the Spirit of God, you cannot please God. You can do amazing things, but it won't make God happy. You can transform the world, but if you're not doing it by allowing God's Spirit to flow through you, God's not going to be pleased. It says you cannot Please God, unless you allow the Spirit of God to control you. In other words, you allow the Spirit of God to direct you and flow in you and through you. But if you do that, then you know that you, whatever you're doing, you're pleasing God. You see, that is the one thing that God wants from you and from me. He wants you to allow His Holy Spirit, the presence, the power, the energy of God to flow in you and through you. It's as simple as that and as complicated as that in the same thing. That is it. He says, let me, just allow me, allow allow him to be a channel of the Spirit. And then if you do that, you know that you're going to be pleasing him. And you will have God's pleasure on you. He will look down on you and he will smile and he will laugh and he will dance and he will just be full of joy. And when God is full of joy, the whole of heaven is full of joy. Why? Because there is one child that is allowing the Spirit of God to flow as he wants. You see, God is jealous. God doesn't want you or me to have the glory. He wants it. He doesn't want you or me to be thought of as clever, beautiful, handsome, educated, wise, all these things. What God wants is just to allow his spirit to flow through you to transform the world for his glory. So that all you can say is, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a tap. I'm I'm just here. Allowing the Spirit to flow. It's nothing to do with me. I cannot generate the power. I cannot generate the energy. I cannot generate the transformation. Only God can do that. And all He wants to do is to use you. He could do it on His own without us. But He's chosen to use you and me to be those channels of that transformation. And what pleases Him is when we say yes to Him. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come and use me, flow through me into all these situations. What do you want me to do? He says, just be available. Just be open. Just be able to be used as that channel as and when I choose to use you. That's what pleases him. And those with a sinful nature don't do that. They say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm in control of my life. Thanks very much. God, no way. I'm, I'm going to sort out. I'm going to have that control. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I do what I want to do. I'm going to make sure I make, maintain all the boundaries. I'm going to make sure I have that control because without it, it's scary. 
Because what is God going to do through his Holy Spirit in and through you? I don't know. That's part of the problem. The problem is trust. Do we trust him? Do I trust God enough to say, Lord, however you want to use me in whatever situation, I am here and I am available. You want me to go and talk to that stranger? You want me to go and pray for that person that's sick? You want me to go and do whatever you want me to do? Here I am. Use me. That's scary, isn't it? Because what happens when God turns up and says, Hey, David, do you remember that promise you made? I'm calling it in. Go talk to that person. And you go, oh, no, 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 not that one. They look, they look mean. They, don't, they, they look grumpy. They don't look like they know you. David, I want you to go and pray for this complete stranger. I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to say the words that you need to pray because I want to touch their lives. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait hang on a minute. What, what happens if you don't show up? What happens if you don't flow through me? What happens if my channel's not really working properly today? I'm going to just look like an idiot. I'm going to pray for them. Be healed. And then they're going, I don't feel any different. What are you doing? And I'm going, oh, no. And this is where the battleground starts. But you can only please God if we allow that channel to open. And we put our trust in him. And we say, Lord, I'm going to be scared. Lord, I don't know what you're going to ask of me. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do in me and through me. But I trust you. And so you ask me to pray, I'll pray. It's not my result, it's your result. You ask me to go talk, I'll go talk. And I'll leave the results up to you. The Holy Spirit of God helps us to please God. But he does even more. Let's keep reading verse 9 and 10. So you, however, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. All right? So when you become a believer, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ and in what he's done for you, you get the Spirit of God. Part of the deal. So that Spirit of God, that power of God comes upon you. You get it. But it says, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. What does that mean? It means that what happens is when we accept Jesus Christ, when we accept what he has done for us on the cross, that we can't have a relationship with God except through Christ. That there's nothing we can do. There's no way that we are ever going to be good enough to be accepted by God. And so we accept what Christ has done on our behalf. And Christ then says, let me take you by the hand. I'm going to lead you into God's home. You're going to come in because of me. Not because of who you are, but because of me. It's a little bit like this last week. I, I had um, a friend of mine. He's a colleague of mine. He's a chaplain at Heathrow Airport. And so I thought it would be really cool to go and be a chaplain with him for a day. So I did. And it was great, you know, like there's all these long queues of people waiting for their passports and everything else. And we had the badges. It was well cool. And because I was with him, 
I just got to go through everywhere. There was nowhere I couldn't go. He says, if we wanted to, we could even go and climb up on a plane and go talk to the pilots. Obviously not once they're taking off, but you know, when they're just sitting there. And I thought, we could go in the baggage areas, we went up to the offices, we went absolutely everywhere. And all we had to do was flash the passes. Now, my pass wasn't any good without him. He had to sign for me to say that he wasn't allowed to let me out of his sight. We had a cup of tea, I had to go to the toilet. He had to come to the toilet, inside the toilets with me. He wasn't allowed to let me just wander off. Because... I wasn't allowed to be there where we were on my own. But with him, it was fine. Because he's one of the chaplains at the, at, the, at the airport. And it's like that with Christ. We can't get into heaven without Christ. But Christ takes us because he's got the access. And he says, David, let me take you by the hand. Don't go far from me, whatever you do. But let me take you by the hand and I'm going to lead you into the heavenly courts. Because I have the right to be there and I have the right to take whoever I choose to come with me and that's what Christ has done for us and what the spirit does is that he seals that belonging to Christ in our hearts and in our lives it says set your spirit alive because of righteousness because of that right relationship with God how do I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ Because the Spirit of God testifies that I am alive in Christ. I have the very power of God testifying that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And how do you see that? You see it in the attitude with which the followers are. My attitude around Heathrow Airport was that, hey, I'm a chaplain. right? So I went and I did chaplain things. It was great. And I went with him. So we were both chaplains together for the day. When I'm in Christ, my attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. One of humility, Philippians, isn't it? Christ didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant of all. Our attitude needs to be the same as Christ's. Why? Because I am now a follower of Christ. I have the Spirit transforming and bringing God's attitude into my life. It's like when you get married. We had a wedding here the other week. Daniel and Kimberly. You know, you have the ceremony and everything else. It all went really well. It was well cool. But the marriage ceremony doesn't make a marriage, does it? You know, they, they got a piece of paper at the end of it. They, they said their vows. They got a ring each. And, and nice and shiny, it, you know. And, and they kissed one another in church in front of us all. But that doesn't make a marriage. A marriage is made when their attitudes towards one another come together. It's as they grow now, their marriage has just started so that they grow closer and closer and closer together because they have a heart that says, I love you and I want the best for you. And their actions will show whether that marriage is real or just a sheet of paper. 
If it's real, you'll see it in their attitude towards one another, in their support and encouragement of one another as they grow closer and closer together throughout their life. If it's just a sheet of paper, it's not going to last very long. And in the same way, the Spirit transforms our attitude so that our attitude becomes more and more like Christ. So we know that we're a believer, yes, because the Spirit testifies, but also because our attitude is changing more and more to be like Jesus Christ. There is less of me and there is more of Him. Because the Spirit of God accomplishes all these things. And how does He do it? How does He accomplish all these things that we've just listed? Well, look in verse 11. He says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. In other words, the same power and energy of God that raised Jesus from the dead is available and is alive in you and in me. Think about that. How much power does it need to raise somebody from the dead? Well, quite a bit, to be honest. How many of you go out every week and you just go, you know what, I've got the ability to raise people from the dead? You know? Doesn't happen very often, does it? Why? Because we do not have the power within ourselves to do that. Christ has the power. His Spirit has the power to raise from the dead. He did that through Jesus Christ. And He does that that same power that raised Christ from the very depths of hell is working in and through you. This is not just some kind of little bit of power. This is not like a little mini metro kind of thing. This is kind of the Rolls Royce power. This this is like the amount of power that God has given that is available in and through you is immense. That same power that you see at work in the scriptures is available. And God wants to work it in you and in me. His gifts, his fruits, they are are just have that power working in them and through them. Think of the potential that you have in your life with Christ. Spirit working in and through you. Think about how if you submit yourself to the Spirit of God, think about what God can do in and through you. You see, all we are really is just a tap. We cannot control the Spirit of God. But what God has allowed us to do is to turn the tap on and off. I think sadly. And what we tend to do, I think, so often is to turn it on a little bit. And you get that little trickle of water coming out, you know? And then we go, oh, that's getting a bit scary. I'll turn it back a little bit. And then if we get a bit bolder, we may turn it on a little bit more and we see more of the power of God flowing innocent through us. And then we go, oh, no, that's getting out of my comfort zone. I'm going to turn it back a little bit more. What God wants you to do is just to wedge that thing way open. To turn it so far open that it gets stuck on full. 
And the Spirit of God is just pouring out of you and pouring into you, transforming your mind, transforming your heart, transforming your will, and through that so that he may transform people around you and situations around you for his glory. And what we need to learn as his people is firstly how to turn that tap open and secondly how to leave it open on full. Instead of keep closing it on and off like we tend to. Because you know what? The power of God will never run out. None of this conserving water business when it comes to Jesus and his spirit. You never have to turn it off and go, oh, I think my reservoir is running dry. You have the whole power of the spirit from heaven. The same power that created the universe, that created everything, that sustains everything, wanting to flow in and through you. Let me ask you today, how open is your tap? Because today we sang, didn't we, about the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, rain down, come down on us, sanctify us, fill this place. He's saying, David, I want to fill your life to overflow in. I want to fill it so full that it just floods out of you, that it leaks everywhere. That it goes all over the place. So the people around you are going to get affected by the Spirit of God because it's so flowing through you. You won't even know. But wherever you're walking, wherever you're going, wherever you're praising, wherever you're praying, people's lives are going to be transformed. That's what He wants for each one of us. And you know what happens? That's when you see revival. Revival comes when we are willing to open ourselves like that to God. We can pray all we want for Christ to come down, for God's Spirit to be here in this presence, in this sanctuary. We can pray until we're 150 years of age. But you know what? God is saying, I want to do it right now, and I want to do it through you. I want you to open that tap. Allow He said, I'm right here. I I can do it today. I can bring revival to Trinity Church today. I can transform this place today. I can transform your life today. But you need to open and allow the Spirit to flow. Maybe the band can come and just play. And let's just... Spend a few moments. What's stopping you today? What's stopping you in your life opening that tap? Putting it on full. I bet you it's never been on full. I don't think mine's, mine's never been on full. I'll admit to you. But what's stopping you opening that tap up in your life and saying, Spirit of God, Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, do it in and through me. I am completely open to you. Take me and use me for your glory. Take this church and use it for your glory. 
Don't bring your revival. Make your revival happen through me. Revive me. Revive the people sitting around me. Allow. Let just transform that, that tap within them so that they can open it, Lord. Remove any blockages there are. So that your spirit falls and flows as it wants to. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us.